How's everybody doing today? Uh, 20% of you, they're 80. How's everybody doing today? Awesome, that's good. All right, let's pray. Father, we give you honor tonight. God, we glorify your holy name for who you are, God. Lord, we thank you, Father, that we worship, Father. We worship you, God, because of what you've already done in our lives, King of glory, God. We worship you, Father, because, Lord, in this world, Lord, we only need you, God. We just need you, Father, to be with us, to, to guide us, to walk with us in everything that we do, God. And even today, Father, we come from different places with different things, oh God. And Jehovah God, we just want to lean in, O oh King of glory, and touch your robe, oh God. Touch you, O oh King of glory, Father, so we can get healing in our hearts, oh God. We can get healing in our minds, O oh King of glory, God. We can, we can get healing, O oh King of glory, Father, so we can receive you, God. Father, I pray that you transform our hearts tonight, O oh King of glory, God. I pray, Jehovah God, that your word, Father, will go forward, Lord, and will, will be sharp and cut through the truth and the lies, O oh God. And expose, Jehovah God, those areas in our life that need to continue to be pruned, O oh King of glory, Father. And those areas in our life that need to continue to grow, Father. Those branches that are dead and need to be shed off, O oh King of glory. We are praying, Father, that your word will do that today, God. I pray, Father, that you may move me out of the way completely, O oh King of glory, God, so you can speak directly to your people, O oh King of glory. Father, we praise you and we honor you. In Jesus Jesus' name, Amen. 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 All right, so we are continuing with um, the book of Acts, and today we're gonna do a big chunk of Acts, Acts 20, 13 to 38. All right, so don't fall asleep. Let's go. All right. Okay, so, but we went on ahead to the ship and set sail to Assos, intending to take Paul on board there, for that was what he had arranged, intending him to go a shorter route by land. So when he met us at Assos, we took him uh, uh, on board and sailed on to Mytilene. Sailing from there, we arrived the next day at a point opposite Chios, and the following day we crossed over to Samos, and the next day we arrived at Melitas, about 30 miles south of uh, Ephesus. Paul had decided to sail on past Ephesus, so he would, not be, he would not end up spending time unnecessarily in the province of Asia, uh, which is modern Turkey, for he was in a hurry to go to Jerusalem. And that's important. He was in a hurry to go to Jerusalem, if possible on, that day, on the day of Pentecost. However, for Melitus, he sent word to Ephesus and summoned the elders of the church to meet him there. And when they arrived, he said to them, "You know well. You know well now. I've lived. You know well how I've lived when I was with you from the first day that I set foot in, in Asia until now, serving the Lord with humility and with tears and trials, which which came on, on me because of the plot of the Jews against me." You know how I did not shrink back in fear for telling you, you, you telling you anything that, uh, that was for your benefit or from teaching you in public meetings and from house to house. Solemnly and wholeheartedly testifying to both the Jews and the Greek, urging them to turn into repentance to God and to have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. And now, compelled by the spirits and obligated by my conviction, I am going to Jerusalem knowing, that, knowing what will happen to me except that the Holy Spirit solemnly and emphatically affirms to me in cities after city that imprisonment and sufferings await me. 
but I do not consider my life as something of value or dear to me, so that I may with joy finish my course and then and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify faithfully of the good news of God, um, grace which makes us free and free of guilt of sin and grant us eternal life. And now listen carefully. I know that none of, none of you. Um, I know that none of you among whom I. I went about preaching the kingdom, will see me again. So he's saying that they're not going to see him again. For that reason, I testify to you on this parting day that I'm innocent of the blood of all people. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose and, and plan of God. Take care and be on guard for yourself and for the whole flock over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseer to shepherd the church of God which he, brought, he bought with his own blood. I know that after I'm gone, false teachers like ferocious wolves will come among you, not sparing the flock. Even from among your own selves, men who arise, speaking perverse and distorted things to draw away from disciples after themselves. Therefore, be continually alert, remembering that for three years, night and day, I did not stop admonishing and advising each one of you with tears. And now I commend you to God, placing you in his protection, loving care, and I commend you to the word of his grace and the counsel and the promise of the unmerited favor. His grace is able to build you up and give you the right inheritance among all, all those who are uh, sanctified, um, among those who are, who are set apart for God's purpose. I had no desire for anyone's silver or gold or expensive clothes. You know personally that this hand, this hand ministered to my own needs, working in manual labor, and to those, the people who were with me. In everything I showed you, by example, that by working hard in this way, you must help the weak and remember the word of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. It's more blessed to give than to receive. When he had said this thing, he knelt down and prayed with them, and they began to weep openly and drew him their arms around him, poor neck, and repeatedly kissed him, grieving and distressed, especially of the word which he had spoken that he would not, that they would not see him again, and they accomplished, they accompanied him to the ship. And in closing, <laughs> that's a long verse. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So this evening, after reading that verse, which we shouldn't explain because the word itself explains itself, I'm going to talk to you about comfort. I'm going to talk to you about change. Mark Twain said, the only person who likes change is a baby with a wet diaper. (laughs) (laughs) Hence the title, right? (laughs) See, when we have comfort, it does not allow us to change. Unless the change enhances our comfort or increases it. Let me say that again. When we, are co- when we seek for comfort, it does not allow for change at all. Unless that change enhances our comfort, gives us more comfort, or increases it. See, getting out of our comfort physically, mentally, and spiritually requires change. See, in 1927, two brothers in Monroe, Michigan, gave us the right to be comfortable. They introduced the lazy boy. So when they introduced the lazy boy, they said, you've worked all day so hard. You've done everything you need to do. And so today, all you have to do when you come home is put your legs up, turn the TV on, grab a drink, and just chill. Right? And guess what? From that moment right there, it went downhill. 
Today in our society, everything we do, we make sure that we preserve our comfort. Because the convenience, the comfort has become our number one desire. Drive through coffees. Starbucks, right? Food, microwaves, right? Five minutes. Tesla, driving your own car. I would like one, but anyway, that's a whole new story. Alexa, Alexa, can you turn off the light? Alexa, can you do this? I have one. And Alexa, yes, right? So don't get me me wrong. I'm not saying these services are bad. The only real issue is one discipline translates to another. What do I mean by that? One discipline translates to another. So if I'm comfortable at work, that I'm, let's say, give you an example. If at work I work hard, when I go home, that translates to me working hard. If I'm lazy at work, when I go home, it's not going to be any different. That's exactly what's going to happen. And guess what? That's exactly what's happening to us. We are so comfortable with everything that we are doing in our own physical way that when we go to the spiritual things, we are doing the same thing. We, don't, we want microwave church. We want the word of God to be digested for us. We want to tell Alexa to read a Bible verse for us so then that way we don't get into the word of God. Comfort is the thing that is killing us because we, we, we are not doing what God has asked us to do. See, when it comes to spiritual, spiritual growth, we seek comfort. And when I'm looking at the word comfort, actually in the dictionary it says, a state of physical ease and freedom from pain or constraint, an easing or elevation of personal feeling or grief. So, comfort has to come after there has been a pain. It's not something that we create so then that way we can stay better. Right? So translate as the spiritual world. If you are not in pain spiritually, then why are we seeking comfort? Luke 9.23 says, Then he said to them, Anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross daily and follow me. God is asking us to die to self. And in John 12, 20, 24, it says, Mostly I assure I say unto you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and die, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Yeah. So the falling is not easy. It's painful, right? The dying is not easy. It's painful. But it's only when we lose that comfort of what's going to happen to us that we allow Christ to let us die, to let us fall, which is die to self, and then we raise up and then we can produce fruit. See, how are we to do this if, if in every area of our lives we are trying to do the bare minimum? How are we going to do everything else that God is calling us if in every part of our life we are trying to do the bare minimum? It's impossible, right? In the Bible, we have promises of comfort, but it's only after affliction or when God is preparing us to go through affliction. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, 4, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He The Father of mercies and God God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. A lot of comfort, I get it. Listen, what God is saying is, God is the God of comfort. So he gives you comfort, but it's not comfort for your own sake. It's for you to be able to comfort your brothers. So then there you can see God, and then God can get the glory. So we are not getting comfort so we can sit in our own ways and do the things that we want to do. We are being given the comfort so then we can comfort those of Christ. So then God can get the, can get the glory. 
Psalm 23, 4, it says, Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff comforts me. We have to walk through the valley of death. We don't get comforted because we are just sitting at home. We get comforted because we are going through the valley of death. Psalms 119.76, let, let I pray your mercy kindness be for my comfort according to, your, according to your word to your servant. So we have to, be, to have a servant heart in order for us to come be comforted. Comfort is not just going to come. Comfort comes because there is a requirement for it. Yeah. Are you guys with me? Yeah. <laughs> Matthew 5, 4, see, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. The key word, those who mourn they will be comforted. But, um, none of these... Uh, oh, so, so on this, we, are looking, we can see that there has to be suffering, there has to be service, there has to be kindness, there has to be all those things so that we can be comforted. To, to, get, rid of our spiritual, to get rid of our spiritual comfort, we have to walk and change in our life. We have to walk and change in our life. Uh, Isaiah 49, 13 says, Sing, O heaven, be joyful, O earth, and break out into singing, O mountain, for the Lord has comforted his people and, we, and will have mercy on his afflicted. God has comfort. We just learned that. He's the God of comfort. So it doesn't matter what we go through. If we allow God to change us, he will give us the comfort that we need to. And when we allow him to change us, then we can see the greater plan that he's trying to do. So when we look at Paul's story, and we're going to go through it, we can see how Paul was not comfortable at all. He was not comfortable at all. And there's a few things that I listed down here, just among many many other things that we can learn from from Paul. And the first thing is, in order for us to get rid of our comfort and allow change, there must be an urgency to do God's will. Acts 20.13 says, Then we went ahead to the ship and sailed to Ashes. They are, to take, uh, they are intending to take Paul on board, for he had given orders intending himself to go on foot. And then Acts 20:16 says, For Paul had determined to sail past Ephesus, lest he might have to, to spend unnecessary time in the province of Asia, for he, he hastened so he might reach Jerusalem. So the interesting part with this part is, Paul had already been prophesied by the Holy Spirit that he was going to go into suffering. He knew that he's going to go to Jerusalem, he's going to be imprisoned, there's going to be persecution, there's been all that stuff. But in his right mind, he's saying, I don't want to use the, I don't want to, I don't want to sail, I want to go by food because I do not want to be distracted stopping at other places. I want you guys to think of that for a minute. He's heading to a place where he, he doesn't know whether he's going to be killed. But he's saying, I want to get there as soon as possible, I don't want anything to stop me on the way. I just want to get there. I just want to go there and do my, the will of God. I wonder if today, if God told me, hey, Mugi, let me tell you something. You're going to go to San Francisco, and when you get to San Francisco, you're going to be persecuted, you're going to be killed, and all these things are going to happen to you. I need you to go now. I'm not sure that my route will be directed to San Francisco. <laughs> For me, I would fly to New York. I will go to London. I will go to Kenya for a minute. I'll come back to Asia, then I'll go back to Seattle, and then I'll take the train so it can take a little bit longer for me to get to San Francisco. Because I do not want to lose my comfort. But if we have to lose our comfort, we have to have an urgency in what God is calling us. 
When we look at our life, when God is calling us, He's not calling us to go to Jerusalem to go be persecuted and killed. He's saying, all I need you to do is go talk to that neighbor next door. All I need you to do is go minister to that person that you spend time with. But yet, we want to do all this other stuff before we even end up going to where God is calling us to do. What can we learn from Paul today? See, if we avoid our comfortable situation, if we avoided our comfortable situation, we'd be willing to do what God called us immediately. It is not comfortable to go towards persecution and death. But if we are driven more by the need to do God's will, then we'll run towards what God is calling us. What is God, where is God calling you to go today? Is there an urgency to where God is calling you? The second thing is we must be transparent. It's uncomfortable to be transparent. Act 2018 says, And when they had arrived, he said to them, You yourself are well acquitted with the manner of living among you from the first day that I set foot in the province of Asia and how I continued afterward. He's saying, I have been transparent. I have been super transparent with how I live, everything that I've done. And when you think about our society, we are so driven by privacy. And though, even though, which is good, don't get me wrong, I love my privacy. But then the problem with privacy is we are using it to suit ourselves and not to do what God is calling us to do. <laughs> See, we've been Facebooking God. We've been Facebooking God. We paint ourselves in a way that only the only when I need to do something is when I can go to God. When I need to, I need to, I need to, 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 to take a picture that, that portrays me in a different way so that people can see me as a different person. And the problem is, remember, one discipline translates to another. So if I'm coming to you and I'm showing you a different side of myself every single time and I'm, more, I'm not being real with myself, when I go to God and my prayers, I want to honestly pray to God, guess what? The same discipline translates to that. So you're going to go tell God who's all-knowing, all-everything. You are telling him, bless this image of me that I have brought among other people. See, we choose what we need to post. We edit it to fit our image. Then we share only what we want. You know, we, we have to allow God to be in our life. We have to allow transparency because when we allow transparency, that's how we are able to help other. When, that's why you're able to get help, and that's how you're able to help other people. First John one seven says, "But if we really are living and walking in light, as He Himself is in the light, we have true and broken fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses, cleanses us from all sin and guilt, keeping us cleansed from sins in all form and manifestation." So if we are walking in the light, we have true and broken fellowship with one, one, one another. We will, have, we will be transparent to, to one another. This evening I'm asking you, what part of your life needs to be transparent? What part of your life needs to be transparent? It's a rhetorical question. Don't, don't answer it. <laughs> the third thing is, we must be ready to endure. Acts 20, 22, 24 says, And see, now I go abound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things which will happen to me, except that the Holy Spirit testified in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. 
But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy. And the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of Jesus of the grace of God. He says, so I can finish this race with joy. The guy is going to be persecuted. The guy already know he's going to be in prison. He's going to be killed. But yet he's saying, I want to finish this, this race with joy. Ephesians 4.1.3 says, I therefore, prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk, walk worthy of the calling in which you've been called, with loneliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in bond of peace. See, it didn't matter what Paul was going to go through. Paul knew long-suffering. Do you know long-suffering? And if you do, compare it to Paul's then you have a better perspective on what long-suffering is. <laughs> oh, I hurt my nail. It's so bad. Paul, check out my nail. <laughs> right? But the thing is, he's not doing that for himself because he is keeping his eyes on God. He knows that when he stepped in there, when God called him, he knew that I have to endure whatever happens because I know that Christ goes before me. Yes. See, Jesus himself, even though all powerful endured, in Isaiah 53, 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted. There he did not open his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shearer, shearer in, is silent. He, so he opened not his mouth. Jesus is being led. He knows already what's going to happen in his life. He already knows that, but he allows those people, even though he's all-powerful. I read something where it says that he didn't even have to speak to destroy them. All he had to do was think and it would have happened. Yet because he endured the calling that had been called upon his life, he allowed them to walk him to the slaughter, just like a ship. And he didn't even say a word. I wonder when we are caught by God to do the things that he's caught. How are we going? Are we screaming to everybody? Are we posting it so people can see what we are doing? Or are we allowing God to really walk through us slowly with diligence and quiet before him, speaking to him and asking him, God, can you lead me? Are you with me? Are you walking with me? What are we doing? Are we ready to endure what's coming? Are we ready to endure what's coming? See, read the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They are put through the fire. Yeah. They endure. They said, even though you don't save us, we will still praise you. Yeah. And as you look at that, if we have to, for them to be in the fire, they had to allow those people to put them in the fire. Yeah. They had to allow them to put them in the fire. They had to be uncomfortable. To allow those people to put in the fire. And if they were not put in the fire, then God would have not showed them showed up there to comfort them. So no matter what you're going through today, maybe you're in that position where God puts you allows you to get to the fire and you have to allow it to go there as long as you trust that He's with you. Because His comfort is not gonna come until you need it. Are you willing to lose your comfort in order to endure today? Are you willing to lose your comfort in order to endure? The fourth thing is this. We must be bold. B-O-L-D. 
Acts 20, 20, 20, uh, 20, 20, 21 says, How I did not shrink from telling you anything that was for your benefit and teaching you in public meeting and from the house to house, but constantly and honestly I bore testimony both to the Jews and Greek, urging them in, in, to turn in repentance to God and to have faith in the Lord Jesus. And then Acts 20, 26, Therefore I testify and protest to you that this day I'm innocent and not responsible for the, for, uh, for the blood of any of you. It takes boldness to speak the truth. It takes boldness to tell the people that, hey, listen, I have done my part. The blood is on your hands now. It's your responsibility. But see, we are in a society where we are so scared of offending people that we don't want to tell them the truth. That people are walking towards hell, but we are just like, oh, I'm not going to offend you. You know, I'm going to say fire, but it's, it is not fire. When people are walking towards fire, you've got to shout, fire, get away from there. Right? But we are so comfortable. <laughs> Last time I said fire, it was like... <laughs> so, he's a firefighter, so no. <laughs> so, but we, we have to be bold enough to tell people that they are walking towards fire. Yes. And if we are not bold enough to do that, guess what? That blood is going to be required from you. And trust me, sometimes I shy from screaming and telling people they are walking towards fire. Sometimes I need a brother and a sister to come alongside me and tell me, hey, you know what? God is requiring you to do this. God is requiring you to do this. We need to be bold to tell people where they are and what they are. We also need to be bold enough to go and tell people, I am suffering. This is going on in my life. Please help me. Please help me. Because we are each brothers and sisters keeper, aren't we? What uncomfortable conversation do you need to have today? What uncomfortable conversation do you need to have today with your spouse, with your kids, with your neighbor, with your friend? Be bold and let God see through. See you through. Because Deuteronomy 31, 6, uh, 6 says one of um, my, my life verses, say, Be strong and, good, and of good courage. Do not fear, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he's the one who goes with you. And he will not leave you, for, nor forsake you. So God goes before you, and yet he's still with you because he's omnipresent. So whatever you are, whatever he's, you're going, he's already gone there. And guess what? He's still walking with you at the same time. The fifth thing is this. We must be obedient. Yes. Acts 20, 23 says, Now you see, I'm going to Jerusalem, bowed by the Holy Spirit and obligated and compelled by the conviction of my, my, uh, of my own spirit, not knowing what will be before me, except that the Holy Spirit clearly and emphatically affirms to me in the city after city that imprisonment and suffering awaits me. And I know as I read these Bible verses, I'm repeating some of them because I want them to stick in your mind to know that Paul had a choice. Paul had a choice. And guess what? You have a choice. He knew what was going to happen to him, but he still was obedient. See, Paul wanted to get there sooner. He wanted to have immediate obedience. And do I need to say that obedience is better than sacrifice? Do I need to say that, you know, immediate obedience, delayed obedience is disobedience? See, Paul is like, I have a goal. It doesn't matter what's happening around me. It doesn't matter what's beside me. It doesn't have, have matter what I'm going I'm to face because I will be obedient. Yeah. Isaiah 55, 8, 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, 
nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as heaven are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than the ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So if God is calling you to be obedient, to do something that doesn't make any sense, get what? guess what? His plan is better than our plans. Amen. See, when you think about Paul, he was already doing an amazing work. If there was somebody who would have been justified to say, Lord, I don't think I want to go to Jerusalem because I'm helping these other people, it would be him. Because even in there where he was, he was still ministering. But him knowing God and knowing the call that had been put in his life, he was willing to be obedient. And not just obedient, he was obedient immediately. So what in your life is lacking immediate obedience? The sixth thing is this. We must be aware. We must be aware. Acts twenty twenty eight nine says, Therefore, take heed, of your, take heed to yourself and all the flocks, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, the shepherd to shepherd the church of God, which, we purchased, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, after my departure, salvage will come among you, not sparing the flock. We need to be aware of our environment. We need to be aware of our capability. We need to be aware of our hearts. You need to know what environment you're going into. You need to know who you're hanging out with. You need to be aware of where you stand. What are your strengths? What are, where do you need God to come alongside you? What are the places that I can go? What are the things that I cannot do? Even though they may look innocent to one person, they might be really, really dangerous to you and for you. We need to know our hearts. We need to know our hearts. We need to know our weaknesses. We need to ask God in Psalms 139, 23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. First Peter 5, eight, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. See, I see people walking oblivious to what is happening around them. Cell phones in their hands, looking down, just doing their little thing on there. But remember what I said, one discipline translates to another. If our heads are always down at our cell phones and the things that are just keeping us away, we can look ahead. God says, look forward and see me and walk towards me. So spiritually, even though we, so, we are so caught up with just being on here, and I, I use cell phones too, don't get me wrong. This message is for me more than you guys, trust me. Um, when, you, when I'm looking at my phone and I'm, I'm down there, just can't even think, and even people are talking to me. My kids are talking to me. My wife is talking to me and I'm not looking up. Guess what happens? When God is trying to talk to me, that's the same thing that's happening. I am so caught up in my own mess with things that don't even really matter, the things that I can scroll back 10 hours and still find them there. But at that moment right there, I'm missing what God is telling me. If God is telling me to go do something immediately, guess what? I'm not going to be able to step in and do it immediately. Then I'm in disobedience. Say a lot, people, the devil is looking to destroy your life. Yes. He's looking to destroy every bit of your life. He wants you to be beat so down that you can't even cry out to anybody. You've got to stay alert. Cover your crack. The last, the number seven, which is the last one, strive to be blameless before God. 
Colossians 1, 20, 1, 20, 23 says, And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked work, yet now have been reconciled in the body of his flesh through death, to present to you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in faith and grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel of which you've heard, which which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Paul is saying, let's be blameless. This whole idea that we cannot be blameless before God is a lie from the pit of hell. People say, you cannot be God. Then why is Jesus saying you need to be transformed to be like me? We need to lean into him. We need to ask him, Lord, I am, yes, we cannot be transforming our own self. But if we lean onto him, he's able, he's able, he's able to do that. And I love what Paul says. He says, um, he says, grounded and steady fast and are not moved away because we are prone to be moved away. We are prone to be moved away from the hope which the gospel we've had. Acts 20, 26, for, therefore I testify and protest to you in parting day that I am clean and innocent and not responsible for the blood of any of you. Paul says, I fought the good fight. I have finished my cause. I have kept the faith. Would you say the same? If today your life was required of you, would you say, I have fought the fight. I have finished my cause. I have kept my faith. Because as I read that for me, it's more like I'm waiting to get to that point. But if my life was required of me today, and I stood before God in the next two seconds, would I say, I have fought a good fight to this point. I have finished my course, the one you've said before me up to this point, And I have kept the faith. See, these among these many other things that we need to get rid of, in order for us to, in ways we need to get rid of our comfort and change. I want us to be so uncomfortable, being comfortable in our wet spiritual diapers. Hebrews 5, 13, 14 says, For everyone who partakes only milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full of age, that is, those who... Those who, by reason, have their senses exercised in design both good and bad. That they have your, do you have your senses to exercise, to discern what is good and bad? Learn to be uncomfortable. Otherwise, you will not endure tomorrow. Have you guys read the book of Revelation? We need to learn to be uncomfortable. Jeremiah 12, 5 says, if you, have, if you have run with the footmen and they have wearied you, then how can you contend with the horses? If in this land of peace in which you trusted they weird you, how, how will you do in the floodplain of the Jordan? Yeah. He's saying that if right now you cannot allow yourself to be uncomfortable, even though all the things you have and the luxury we have and everything we do have here makes our life comfortable. If we cannot do that, what's going to happen when things turn out to be on our side and we've read the Bible see I was researching this and uh, we, our kids are a little bit older and one of the things I remember from the uh, when our kids were young was in the diapers that they have nowadays they make them in a way that they can soak in as much pee as possible I'm gonna be graphic pee okay <laughs> they can soak in as much as possible and the only way that you know they are soaking is when that little blue line starts showing up, right? 
But then there's another group of kids who, as soon as they get a little bit wet, they scream. They scream they want to be wet, right? There's someone in there. We have become a people that hides our spiritual wetness very well. We have become a, a generation that the, the wetness happens and we stay comfortable because it's soaking in well. It continues to soak in. A little, bit, a little bit of sin here, a little bit of compromise, a little bit of doubling, a little bit of everything else. And it's on only when the diaper is fully wet and then there's that big blue line and life is falling apart and things are so bad that we realize that there was sin that was never addressed. Don't be caught unaware. We need to be so uncomfortable with the slightest wetness that we can have. We need to demand change like that little baby who cries and yells and says, I need change. Because if we don't, then guess what? Before long, we will be in a place where we cannot go back to what we are supposed to do. Like a baby that's wet, we need to cry. We need to demand searching in our hearts. God, if you went on your knees today and you didn't know what to pray, tell God, God, search my heart and reveal the things in me that needs change. God, search my heart and tell me what wetness, spiritual wetness do I have? God, search me and tell me what I need to do in order for me to get away I'm at. Lord, I'm trying to go over here and you say you are dead when I ask for bread, you never give me stone. So Lord, I'm asking you that I need you, Lord, to help me to get to where I can serve you, where I can be uncomfortable in the things that you've called me. Yell and cry to be in the presence of God. When is the last time you had a good yell to be in the presence of God? When is the last time you, you are talking to God and you're like, God, I am not living here until you speak to me? Yeah. Or are we so comfortable that we can't even get that moment to ourselves? When is the last time you say today, I'm going to fast? I'm going to fast, not because we're going to fast every beginning of the year. I'm going to fast today because, God, I need to hear from you. Yes. When is the last time you say, Lord, I'm going to stay here at your feet and I'm going to pray and I'm going to read the word of by, uh, your word until you speak to me? Yeah. Like a baby, we need to yell and say, I need change right now. Yes. And guess what? Psalms 18.6 says, in my distress, in my distress, where is Angie? Oh. <laughs> Psalms 18.6 says, in my distress, I called upon the Lord. And he cried out to my God, I, and, and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple, and my cry came before him, even to his ears. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. In my distress, I called upon, I called upon the Lord. God is not waiting for you to have it all right. God is not waiting for you to be all comfortable. He's saying, when you're going through those things, you're going. When you're going through stuff that you can handle, call upon me because I am here. I will hear you. Let's all stand up. As I pray, I'm going to open the altar. My altar call today is, if there is an area in your life where comfort has taken over, where you know and you know and you know that God is asking you to change but you've let comfort take over 
I want you to come up here and kneel and just give it up to God. And give it up to God and tell Him, God, I need a change today. I want to get off my spiritual diaper, wet diaper. I want to change God. So if that's you today, as, I, as, I, as, I, as we finish here, I want you to ask God and talk to Him and tell Him, Lord, in the journey that you called me, the places you called me, the places you are telling me to go, Lord, I cannot go by myself. I need your help. Because when you called, up, when you called upon Him, He answered and He came to your rescue. Do not be caught unaware. Be uncomfortable in any slight wet, wetness you might have. Demand change in your life. Like a baby that cries when they are wet. Demand search in your life. Yell and cry to be in the presence of the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we praise you tonight, God. We thank you for your word, O King of Glory, God, Father, because I know, Lord, this word, as much as it was for me, Lord, I know it's for your people too as well, God. That Jehovah God, Father, our lives, we set them in a way, Father, where we just need more comfort and more comfort. But what we don't realize, God, is we are walking away from you every single day, God, because you are requiring us. You are requiring more of us, oh God. I pray, Jehovah God, Father, that tonight, oh God, as we cry out to you, Jehovah God, that, Father, your spirit will be fall upon us, oh God, and go into our hearts, into our mind, oh God, and tear those walls and those structures, Father, that we, we've created, oh God, because those structures become shackles, oh God. Father, we're asking you to cut those shackles out of our life, oh God. So, mighty King of glory, we can hear you, so we can see you, God, so we can see what you're doing in our lives, so we can see what you're calling us to do, oh God. And Father, in the precious name of Jesus, I pray for these individuals up here, and even those who are back there, Lord. The Holy Spirit, you will come, Lord, and, and touch them and meet them, oh God. They are yelling to you, God, and saying, come, Lord. In their distress, oh God, they are saying, Lord, we need you, God. And we need you as a church, oh King of glory, Father. We need you as a church this season, oh God. We need you, Jehovah God, to allow, to help us, God, to be comfortable with being uncomfortable, God. Jehovah God, I praise you and I honor you tonight, oh God. I thank you, God, and I pray, God, as we head out, Lord, that this word, Father, stick in our, in our hearts, in our mind, oh God. I pray a covering over this word, in this word, oh God, that the enemy does not steal it, in the name of Jesus, Father. Mighty King of glory, God, have your way, have your will in our life, God. We praise you and we honor you, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right.